If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Welcome to this episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Hey guys, what's up? How's it going? Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. I know I'm just repeating what Mithila said, but hey, I'm just really excited <laughs> that the Singapore Grand Prix is just ahead of us. A lot of our listeners from Asia, specifically India, are visiting the Singapore Grand Prix. Thank you for writing in, letting us know. Enjoy the spectacle and guys, remember to get yourselves a mask. Yes, there is a lot of smog out there. Please be safe. In fact, it's because of the smog that we are late by a couple of days this week and I'm still giving Mithila like a few seconds more in this episode to warm her throat up because she had a sore throat. <laughs> yeah, guys, I may use the smog as an excuse, but Kunal, I really hope that Sebastian Vettel doesn't use it as an excuse. I mean, in case he spins. Well, yeah, because he really needs uh, you know, three clean races. And somehow it's really hard to just imagine Vettel having three clean races because he's been making so many mistakes. Okay, Sebastian Vettel, surprise all of us. Come on, please do that. You can do it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's surprising for me. Formula One released their five shocking moments video from Singapore, you know, like they do for every race. But they eliminated the infamous race-fixing scandal from the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix altogether. Just so convenient. Like it never happened. Anyway, guys, in this week's episode, we have so much to talk about. We're going to talk about how Mercedes almost signed Nick Heidfeld instead of Lewis Hamilton. If George Russell and Lando Norris weren't Formula 1 drivers, what other roles could they have played in the sport? A smashing new idea for Nico Rosberg to increase the views of his YouTube show. And we talk of Kimi Raikkonen's continued love affair with his steering wheel. Bernie Eccleston's idea of awarding medals for points and we wonder if that's actually what he was thinking and if he thought things through. And of course, there's Lucian's Moments in Time section later in this episode. So guys, remember, please subscribe to us. We promise uh, to bring you your weekly dose of Formula One humour. We're everywhere on the internet on all the platforms you can think of. So go ahead, hit subscribe. And also thank you, Martin, for a lovely review that you left for us on the Facebook uh, page. Uh, you know, guys, we understand that we keep trying different things with our background tunes. So uh, I think we finally found a setup that pretty much everyone's comfortable with. But yes, back to being in Singapore. We're in Singapore and I know that exceeding track limits isn't too much of a concern here, barring a few corners here or there. But there's talks of policing track limits electronically. Yeah, and I think that's a great solution. Also the least biased option. Uh, because I think right now the manual solutions are very inconsistent. And they keep raising questions about biases in the sport and whatnot. If you've been to a go-kart circuit, you know, the ones where rental carts are available, there's a chance 
also that electronic policing of track limit happens there basically if you go off the circuit or you go off into a runoff area you know they just slow the car down electronically of course formula one hasn't declared what their solution would be like but it's definitely a step in the right direction and i'm sure it's going to be very very much more advanced than what we see at the rental karting circuits. Yeah, and if they're able to manage a solution for this, Kunal, I'm wondering if electronics can be used to actually control crashes. Uh, like, I'm wondering if uh, speed limiters can be enabled if there's a crash or a recovery vehicle at some part of the circuit or something like that. That, that could be amazing. Yeah, that's actually a good idea and might be useful in, you know, the high-speed crashes. Uh, most definitely, I think, you know, now that you know you're think you're talking about it, and I'm thinking yeah. it. You know, if a car hits certain, you know, if a car hits more than a certain g-forces, suddenly everyone around just slows down, or some sort of a trigger mechanism. And I think, you know, sooner or later, it's going to be like in the electronic sensors we trust, much like in the FIA we trust. <laughs> but uh, the red flag loophole that came into light at Monza, especially during qualifying, still exists in Singapore. You mean the one where the red flag actually shows up on the circuit before it shows up for the teams? Yes. The reason why Valtteri Bottas' time in qualifying was deleted and later reinstated. So the FIA actually has some work to do to making sure that there is a sink in this system before like this, you know, sinking causes a controversy. <laughs> yep. For now, the FIA has confirmed that uh, Singapore will have a third DRS zone and they've confirmed a 60 kmph pit lane speed limit. A pit stop in Singapore is nearly worth half a minute long. So stuff for you guys to keep in mind while you're understanding and decoding race strategy and if drivers suddenly slow down in the race. You know, they're doing so to save tyres and avoid an extra pit stop. Also, we know that the new regulations will be declared next month, guys. I know a lot of us are looking forward to that. It's happening in October. Uh, I'm told that Formula One will keep the DRS in the regulations for uh, 2021, even though they might not necessarily use it. And I think that's what Kunal's putting his money or hopes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but when you say that, they're, they're, they're going to have the DRS on the car, but hoping not to use it. It's like not showing too much of confidence in what they're trying to put in place with the regulations. Well, well. <laughs> I really hope that they know what they're doing. But the bigger confidence right now in Formula One is in knowing that there are several more circuits lining up to host Formula One races in the future. We know that Vietnam is being added to the calendar or has already been added to the calendar next year. There is the Dutch Grand Prix coming up and there's news that Imola and Mugello have shown interest in hosting Formula 1 races as well. Yeah, I think they just got overexcited by the crowds we saw in Monza. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just glad that it's the old and classic Formula 1 circuits making a comeback and not something Tilke designed. But Sebastian Vettel still wants a 16-race calendar and as does his friend actually, Bernie Ecclestone. And uh, Ecclestone actually said that more races devalues Formula 1. Well, you know, the truth is that Formula 1 breached the 16-race mark under Bernie Ecclestone's watch. And I think it was back in 2003. You know, that was probably the last season when we had a 16-race calendar. And I think Vettel wants lesser races, so he has lesser races he can lose in. 
and lesser on, races to come spill on, in. <laughs> come on, what's with all the trolling? We gotta stop, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I think I'm not the only one because this is exactly the uh, trend of trolling Wettel like crazy that I've been watching, uh, observing in all these fan groups and chats. So, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yes, but even like I said, in Sebastian Vettel, we trust he is gonna make a turnaround sooner or later. By the way, here's an interesting statistic. So, uh, Vettel's pole positions in Singapore have come in the odd years, basically 2015, then 17. But I really doubt that Ferrari will score a pole position in Singapore in 2019. And when I say Ferrari, I mean Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc, both of them. What but, happened to your in-Vettel we trust? Yeah, <laughs> but I just think that, you know, Ferrari is not suited to the high downforce configuration required mm-hmm. in Singapore. That's how it is. But uh, here's something I picked up, which is I found very interesting from Mattia Binotto's interview. So Binotto was asked about a potential Verstappen-Leclerc uh, pairing in the future. And uh, Binotto said that, you know, he's always preferred Ferrari's number one driver approach. Uh, like they had in the days of Michael Schumacher. Yeah, when Barrichello and Massa were his wingmen, not number two drivers, wingmen. Yes, Far more in, respectful. In, in, <laughs> in, in fact, Binotto actually made a reference to that because he said he grew through Ferrari through those years of seeing Barrichello and Massa support Schumacher as the number one driver. So anyway, uh, he said that Ferrari's future is with Leclerc as the number one driver and hiring Verstappen would sort of you know, disturb the equilibrium in the team, all of which which makes complete sense. But here's the funny part. So, Binotto didn't say it in as many words, but my inference here was that Vettel could be reduced to being the next Barrichello or Felipe Massa in Ferrari. Dude, you remind me of Nico Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying what I understood of Binotto's interviews, but I came across a video of Nico Rosberg performing a juggling act back in his days as a Mercedes driver. And I thought that we should remind him via this episode that he should and he could juggle in his next YouTube video because I am told that such juggling acts generate a lot of viewership. (laughs) That's what he is always gunning for. My (laughs) God. I think I'm just going to leave that (laughs) and come back to talking about Ferrari. Uh, Binotto cited Formula E as a threat to Formula 1. And Kunal, it's so strange because in all of this, Ferrari is still to agree uh, to participate in Formula E. Yes, it is actually strange to see them not have joined Formula E yet. But like I have joked before, maybe they are scared of receiving equal treatment as the other teams, which is what they're not (laughs) used to. Or they are just waiting for Formula E to turn up and say, here's a historic bonus for not having participated in the first five seasons or something something to that effect. By the way, Mercedes launched their Formula E car uh, last week. And uh, guess who's going to drive it? We have Stoffel Van Doon and Nick DeFries as their drivers. I think Nick DeFries not being in Formula 1 is one of the biggest mysteries that nobody can solve in, in the near future. I hope he's about, you know, he's sort of able to make a reverse progression like Alexander Albon did. Yeah, and since we're talking about Formula E, and Kural, I know I should wait for the What Wolf Said This Week section, but what the hell? Uh, Toto Wolf said that Lewis Hamilton could consider a switch to Formula E in the future. Well, he said that. Yes, so that would be absolutely amazing because I'm sure there is going to be the first driver who's a Formula 1 and a Formula E champion and who better than Lewis Hamilton to actually try and do that. But I have actually some more weird talk that I heard about Lewis Hamilton. So uh, I came across this a few days ago that Mercedes actually considered Nick Heidfeld 
before they finally signed up Lewis Hamilton back in 2013. Now, can you imagine Nick Heidfeld of all the people? No, I can't imagine. Uh, and, you know, it gets even stranger. So, apparently, back then, Heidfeld sent Nick Fry. Nick Fry was the Mercedes chief at that time. Uh, he sent him videos of his kids and dog to try and, like, lure him into giving him the racing seat. <laughs> and I, I tell you why. This is probably why... Heidfeld missed out because he did not make a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> and just so that you guys get the reference, that's what George Russell did to get his seat at Williams, if you all remember at the end of last year. But also to, you know, sort of keep in mind and give a context of who Nick Heidfeld is. Nick Heidfeld is probably today's Nico Hulkenberg, a driver with a lot of experience, a lot of talent, but no podiums. And that's probably the best way for listeners who have probably just tuned in or started to tune into Formula One. Um, also, the other name that Mercedes discussed very seriously back then was Paul DiResta and Kunal. I think you have a few uh, things to say about that because he's your former mate from Force India. Well, yes, Paul DiResta back then was a Mercedes driver. And I think he drove for them in DTM and sort of made, you know, came back into Formula One and so on. But uh, there's something about these young drivers, you know, because uh, George Russell's presentation skills could mean that his backup career plan could be, uh, you know, in the business of Formula One. I mean, I hear that Sean Broches uh, could be moving on from his commercial role. So maybe there's some sort of backup for (laughs) Russell if Mercedes still stick to Valtteri Bottas come 2024 or whatever. Yeah, and since we're talking about backup careers, I saw his Grill the Grid video with Kubica. Um, and uh, George Russell knew just so much about the history of the sport. So I think he could find a role in broadcast. And he's most definitely welcome on our podcast. So yes. <laughs> yes, a lot of former drivers, former world champions becoming TV pundits as we already know them. And by the way, Lando Norris, he could be Formula One's official meme generator. <laughs> he is hilarious. You know, I wonder if they're going to have a milk bottle for Lando Norris when he gets his first podium in Formula One. It is so possible. <laughs> the milkman of Formula One. But uh, back to Lewis Hamilton. He actually said that he feared losing his Mercedes seat several times in his career. Now, honestly, I think Hamilton's being you know absolutely modest and you know not taking his place for granted and all of that. But the truth is that I still don't remember a single career-threatening move that Lewis Hamilton has made you know, in, in the time that we've all followed him, especially when you compare him to another great driver like Sebastian Vettel. And by the way, congratulations to Mercedes. They've already collected the first award of 2019. Uh, I think it was some hospitality award that their crew won. Uh, could I, let's say, the first of many, many, many to come this season. Absolutely, Mercedes. I didn't even know that there was somebody keeping a world hospitality team championships or <laughs> something which Mercedes topped. And one right before the summer break or just after. But the award for the worst topping goes to Sergio Perez, though. The worst pizza topping. Yes, the worst pizza topping, yes. Yeah, I still can't believe that Perez's pizza is worthy of being discussed still. (laughs) But listen, if you're going to have that pizza, you are risking being remembered for all the wrong reasons, Sergio. But uh, we must thank our listener, Richard. You know, he reminded us via a message on our Facebook page that we didn't discuss much of Perez's defense against the mighty Max Verstappen in Monza. I think Perez kept Verstappen at bay for over 10 or 12 laps in the race. And that's how he got points as well. 
Yeah, and also in Monza, uh, Danny Ricardo he screamed pizza, pizza, pizza on the radio after their uh, performance, and that was absolutely hilarious. And I, I, I don't think the French understood pizza, pizza, pizza. They were probably like, what you know? Uh, He's saying <laughs> fries, fries, fries. <laughs> No, but and I was wondering if Red Bull was actually ruining, you know, missed marketing opportunity because despite winning so many races with Red Bull Racing, Ricardo never screamed Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull on the radio, and he could have. And in the shoeies, he actually poured a champagne. So, so many lost opportunities. Sorry, but, Red Bull. But this reminds me about Daniel Ricardo's commercials because they are out in the open. His contract is out in the open, given the le- legal dispute that is ongoing with his lawyer. Uh, it turns out that Renault's paying him $55 million for this year, 2019 and next. And uh, the news also is that he gets to keep the car he wins their first race with. Now, that's a bit of a long shot. What, what do you mean? Asking for the car or Renault Ricardo scoring the win? Which one of the <laughs> <You> two? Yes. <laughs> the other long shot for Renault, in my view, is Cyril's recent statement that an academy driver of theirs will graduate to Formula 1 in 2021. That sounds very strange for both Ocon and Ricardo, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Renault is just saying that because, you know, Charles Leclerc has come up as a Ferrari Driver Academy uh, and Max has come up through the Red Bull program and Esteban is now there through the Mercedes program. Peer so pressure. It's some pre- peer <laughs> pressure that they're like, oh, we need an Academy Driver up there as well. And it could also mean if Renault's probably prepared to see Ricardo leave in 2021. I mean, I don't know if Ricardo has an option signed elsewhere to replace some other driver in one of the other top teams. Or it could be Ocon, who knows? Yes, because in the case of Ocon, he is a Renault driver whose career is being managed by Mercedes. I still can't get over that. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty <laughs> But let's see if an academy driver from Renault is going to be ready for Formula 1 at all. Because that in itself is another story altogether. Yeah, by the way, a former Renault driver, Jolyon Palmer, remember him? Yes. (laughs) He was holidaying in India last week. You know, I must tell you, it's a Singapore Grand Prix, a street circuit. And his meme of, you know, where he says you have to always be alert on a street circuit (laughs) will be circulated on social media time and again. Good for him. But when you said Jolly and Palmer holidaying in India, it reminds me of a joke that I remember, I think I tweeted about, that a back marker holidayed in the back waters of Kerala. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jolyon, but I had to say that. Yeah, Palmer with the palm trees. Okay, that's (laughs) just going very bad. Anyway, closing notes before we hand it over to Lucien. Uh, Fernando Alonso claims that he won't return to Formula 1 in 2020. Uh, Kunal, I think he's waiting for McLaren to announce a senior driver program. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's hoping that Sebastian Vettel gets a race ban. Hmm. Alonso back in Ferrari just for one race, partnering with Leclerc, taking on Lewis Hamilton. That would be some really exciting stuff for Formula 1, for Ferrari and for Fernando Alonso. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, The USA Grand Prix has had a record number of ticket sales and... I think it's just what the Netflix show uh, I expected would do. Just inject so many new fans into our sport. And hordes of new listeners for our show. Thank you so much to all you you new guys out there. But the USA Grand Prix is the new target for Red Bull Racing. Helmut Marko has said that they will evaluate the 2020 driver options after that race. In all, this just means that Alexander Albon has less than nine races to prove himself. 
I think that Danny Kivat would be the biggest beneficiary in all of this. Kunal, he is the one driver that they have with maximum experience. And at the moment, the maximum confidence. Because, you know, it's like Kivat has taken it upon himself to prove how good a job he's doing and how okay a job Albon is actually doing. Because I remember after Spa and Monza, Kivat has been very specific in how Alexander Albon hasn't impressed. And this is when the media has gone overboard, saying how he has impressed. And uh, in Monza, Kivat was actually ahead of both the Red Bull racing cars before an oil leak led to his retirement. Okay, great. I'm really curious to see what Kivat has to say about Albon after Singapore. (laughs) By the way, Singapore is the closest home race for Albon. That's what he said because he's, he's half Thai like we remember him to be. Cute. So I think it's his like quarter home race, I guess, by that metric. <laughs> anyway, at the moment, uh, Franz Toss thinks that Albon is gone and off to Red Bull Racing. I'm only going to believe it when we hear a certain helmet Marco say it in as many words. Right, so moving on. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen's love affair with his steering wheel continues. I know we've laughed over his steering wheel videos from his days at Ferrari several times over. But the fun continues even at Alfa Romeo. At one of the races earlier in the season, Kimi radioed his engineer and he was pretty, you know, pretty grumpy on the radio because he asked his engineer if it was necessary to leave his steering wheel on the, you know, nose section of the car under the sun. He said that the steering wheel became way too hot for him to handle after, you know, it was pulled (laughs) away from the sun. So... Steering wheel issues under the sun, you know, I, I think I'm not a, mo- I'm, I'm a mere mortal, but I have the same problems <laughs> as Especially well. for the Iceman, you know. <laughs> I guess the sun would be his kryptonite. Oh, is, that, is that the right superhero reference? Anyway, in Monza, Raikkonen had a steering wheel issue, uh, a, a malfunction, and he asked for it to be changed in typical Kimi Raikkonen fashion. And Kunal, I'm, I just hope that Kimi Raikkonen never retires, you know? Well, Race is on forever. Talking of which, Alpha Romeo need to think of life after Kimi Raikkonen. And I just wrote about it on my blog, you know, a couple of hours before we recorded this episode. But I really wonder if Nico Hulkenberg could be an answer. And I say so because in 2021, Mick will drive for Alpha Romeo. So they need a stable driver alongside Mick who can bring in the points while Mick, you know, gets his time to find his feet and groom himself in Formula 1. Or we could have a Raikkonen-Schumacher partnership uh, at Alfa Romeo. That would be pretty iconic. Absolutely. And my last point, Romain Grosjean has taken a dig at the vegan diet. He said that a vegan diet can be negative for an endurance athlete. Honestly, when I actually read this statement, I realized that Roman's a smart guy. He's a chef. He's co-published a book with his wife. And I'm sure the book has recipes with meat. So he better not talk down eating meat. Because that's what the book is, I'm sure, (laughs) selling on. And the other thing is, if he... He talks up veganism and, you know, he probably could end up pissing off his wife. Who knows? Yeah. Because she's the co-author of the book. <laughs> Rather piss off Lewis than the <laughs> wife, right? <laughs> Golden words. Anyway, Romain Grosjean is the luckiest driver out there. I think everyone is so surprised at his extension. I'm sure and you guys are as well. Yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> and this is like his fourth or fifth surprise extension in Formula One. You know, he's like that cat with nine lives. <laughs> Okay, so here's my last point from Mr. Bernie Ecclestone himself. Bernie said that he always preferred awarding medals over points in Formula 1, but couldn't have his way during his time. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird. weird. Basically, uh... Beard? I mean, I don't know if you've... (laughs) 
had a couple of beers before the record but shukunal <laughs> anyway basically schumacher has 91 gold medals so to speak and hamilton's chasing down his tally of like the highest gold medals in the sport you know while the gold medals is the easier bit i wonder what metal of medals he planned to award for places outside of the podium like say for in 10th place would you get like a copper metal or a brass metal or maybe he'll get like a tin foil metal <laughs> you know like <laughs> the one that we have in the oh kitchen oh god <laughs> i i don't think i don't think he's thought this through ever and that's why it never got support from the teams and the FIA and whoever else yeah if you guys are listening and wondering what would we all award uh, a 10th place uh, points Scoring position tell us what medal would you all give <laughs> Anyway uh let's go over to Lucian with his moments in time section Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucian Byfield Today we should look back on the history of the Singaporean Grand Prix The Singapore Grand Prix was the first night race in Formula 1 history and despite initial concerns over lighting issues with shadows plus the possibility of rain creating a blinding mist heightened by the lights The history of the race has rarely seen rain or any significant issues with visibility unless of course you are Michael Schumacher in three attempts he was to twice rear-end somebody under braking questioning his late career reflexes and vision The first race in 2008 saw Felipe Massa on pole while Fernando Alonso back at Renault broke down in qualifying As for the race Massa had it in the bag until a pit stop blunder left him driving down the pits with the fuel hose still attached Now Massa blames this race for costing him the title that year and notably blames Renault primarily their driver Nelson Piquet Jr. The reason Crashgate as it became known it did transpire the following year that Piquet Jr. had deliberately crashed in order to help Alonso on strategy which it clearly did In 2010 we saw Heikki Kovalainen grab a fire extinguisher to tend to his on fire bonfire of a lotus In 2012, Pastor Maldonado was second on the grid. In 2014, with radio communications banned, Nico Rosberg on pole with a real shot at the title was to have issues from the warm-up lap. Unable to get pit assistance, his car issues put him out of contention right from the start, thus gifting the win to Hamilton. In 2013, we saw Fernando Alonso pick up Mark Webber at the end of the race when Mark's Red Bull had broken down. In 2015, we saw a spectator walk on the track bringing out a safety car, and in 2010, Mark Webber took a fantastic third place after an altercation with Hamilton, resulting in Lewis retiring and Webber extending his title lead at the time. Now, if you want a visual spectacle, look no further than 2017. We saw a clangor of a start with Sebastian Vettel swerving left from pole, taking himself out along with many others, including his teammate gifting an easy race win to Hamilton again possibly the best on track action was seen in 2016 when Max Verstappen radioed in that a giant lizard was on the track now look that one up it is huge the godzilla comment is fantastic the prolific winners have been Vettel Hamilton and Alonso but a strange and consistent comment from the Mercedes team regarding this track is that they are not suited to it that it is a bogey track and each year they struggle. <laughs> yeah, right. Four of the last five races have been won by Mercedes. If that is struggling, I wonder what doing well looks like. Well, that's it for moments in time on the inside line with Lucy and Byfield. 
catch you next time thank you lucian as always it's so good to sort of relive all these moments that have happened at the very circuit where you know we are all going to go racing at in the next couple of days my best memory of singapore has to be the city in itself because while i was at force india i think i attended five races in a row and those were probably the best times uh the fun part was that you know i actually lived in three time zones because we had offices in india so it was like in the indian time zone the factory as you guys all know is in silverstone so it was on the british or the european time zone and then we were of course in singapore also living on the singaporean time zone <laughs> that's really interesting viral thank you it's always fun to listen to all your force india stories when you're not too modest to share them with us well i'm happy to keep <laughs> sharing them yeah and i'm sure you're not the happiest listening to your uh, former mate i would say current friend uh, from force india nico halkenberg's possible exit from the sport well i don't think i was ready or i am still ready for such a sudden exit for nico so i'm still hoping that it isn't that a sudden exit Yeah guys Kunal is being very uh, he's he's not giving you all a realistic picture he he loves Nico Hulkenberg and he's very upset at what could happen honestly so- <laughs> honestly I just have some very good memories of working with him at Force India especially during our driver academy days you know the academy that he was an ambassador of so yeah. I spent a lot of time with him during his sabbatical one year off from formula 1 so I really hope that There is some team out there that sees the value in who Nico Hulkenberg is and hires him. Fingers crossed. On that note, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been amazing talking to y'all on this podcast, and we'll be back after Singapore. Keep racing. Adiós. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hi, I'm Tia. The upstairs downstairs neighbor dynamic is so special. We have our own language. Like when I scream at my mom on the phone, the people downstairs bang on the ceiling to show their support. The nighttime's the best time to rearrange furniture. I call it midnight feng shui. And if I sleep through my alarm in the morning, they bang on my door to wake me. So thoughtful. Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.